Welcome to the Faith Christian Fellowship of Montego Bay's podcast. We are reaching for His glory through building and teaching. I hope you are encouraged and edified by this message. Spiritual warfare is something that is ongoing. It is something that you're engaged in, whether or not you want to be engaged. But the truth is, from day to day, from time to time, the warfare intensifies, and it is our responsibility to stay in the fight by applying the principles of the kingdom of God. We cannot win, we cannot overcome, we cannot endure if we do it on our own. So we, uh, we have to follow the kingdom keys and the principles of the kingdom of God so that we can stand. Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to read from verse 10 down to about verse 30. So, so, finally, my brethren, and I want you to take note of that, that it is not just this portion of Ephesians chapter 6 that is dealing with spiritual warfare. Paul was doing a whole discourse coming down. And he starts his conclusion of the letter from about verse 10. So that's why he said, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Because so many people love to exercise strength in their own power. So he said, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Because the warfare that we're in, your own strength is absolutely no match for the devil, for the principalities and the powers and the rulers of darkness that we're coming against. So he said, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Again, you know, the, 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 the scripture says, put on the whole armor of God. And we have pointed this out before that the fact that he said, put on the whole armor of God, must be understood that you could have half of the armor on. But he said, put on the whole thing. That, well, here's the reason why you should put it on, the whole thing, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So if you have half of the armor on, you will not stand. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against spiritual hosts, hosts of wickedness in in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole arm of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girded with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. So, The reason why we do put on the whole armor is so that we can be successful against principalities and powers. You see, we might fight against each other in the flesh, you know, maybe from time to time, and one prevail against the other when you're fighting against the flesh, in the flesh against each other. But you can't prevail by fighting in the flesh against the principalities and powers. So the reason, again, we put on the whole armor is so that we can be successful 
against principalities and powers. It takes a different strategy. It takes different kind of weapons to fight against principalities and powers than is required to fight in the flesh. Because here's one of the interesting thing about fighting against principalities and powers, which makes the spiritual warfare different. For principalities and powers, you, you cannot see with your natural eyes the opposition. So therefore you have to lean on God, you have to depend on God because it is by his leading that you're going to be able to identify, locate the opposition, and you're going to be able to proceed with the strategies of the kingdom of God so that you can win, that you can come out victorious. Now, let me say that nothing else equips us to be successful in spiritual warfare as believers than the whole harm of God. Nothing else, just about nothing else that you can do will equip you for spiritual warfare other than the armor of God. So if we don't put on the whole armor of God, we are going to be fighting in the flesh. That's simply what it is. And if you fight in the flesh, you're not going to win. So our only option in winning, in overcoming, in spiritual warfare is to put on the whole armor of God. If we practice living in the uh, flesh, when warfare time comes around, we are going to automatically revert to fighting in the flesh. Therefore, living by the spirit of God is something that we have to practice every day because if we practice walking in the flesh, when the day comes for us to fight in the spirit, we're not gonna be able to do it. We don't know how to do that. We're cultured another way if we keep fighting in the flesh. This is why the Bible begs us all the time, don't walk in the flesh, but walk in the spirit. This is very, very important. So if we spend time with God and practice walking in the spirit, then we will become acclimatized to that environment. We will become more familiar with it. We will begin to understand that environment more, and then we will be able to fight and fight successfully in the spirit. Now, the opportunity to wrestle against flesh and blood will always you know, present themselves in life. The Bible says that Satan is the accuser of the brethren and that he is the one that will accuse you night and day to get you in a place of frustration. And that is what he does. So it doesn't matter if you have an all night prayer meeting or you fast for 40 days and 40 nights or 21 days or 14 days, it doesn't matter how long you fast and pray. That is not going to change the fact, the truth, that Satan is the accuser of the brethren and he will be that until the end of the age. That is why when he accuses you, when he sends accusations or causes accusations against you, you can't afford to slump in discouragement, into discouragement because that is what the devil does. He's the accuser of the brethren. And he will accuse you, accuse you, accuse you to try and get you to respond in the flesh so that you can't win the fight that you are in. The moment he can get you to respond in the flesh, then you're going to lose ground because he knows that 
you know, you can't counteract the things of the realm of the spirit with, with the flesh. So there is nothing that we can do to stop the devil from bringing accusations against us. If you get discouraged by the accusations, as I said, you're going to be discouraged for a long, long time because the devil is not going to stop accusing you. And sometimes he, he comes from different angles to get you in the flesh. He comes from different ang angles, different directions to try and accuse you. So sometimes people feel like they need to go all out to prove their innocence. So instead of just fortifying yourself in the spirit, you are going the extent of the way, doing everything you can to try and prove your innocence to people. People who are not just not going to believe you. So it doesn't matter what evidence you have, you're not going to believe what you're saying. But it's an attempt from the devil to get you into the flesh. Some people need to prove their worthiness. People don't accept you and you, you, you think you have to put on all kinds of stuff to prove yourself. No, you don't have to. You have to, some people feel like they need to prove their superiority. or just need to prove themselves, period. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, all right? Just remember that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood and we are not prepared to give the enemy any inch as far as that is concerned. And it's a very, very important point that we have to remember. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but the Bible says we wrestle against principalities and against powers. And I believe that sometimes we take time out to focus on what we don't wrestle against, but we don't spend enough time identifying what we wrestle against. So yes, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, as the scripture says, but at the same time, the same time it says we wrestle against uh, principalities and powers against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Now, the kingdom of darkness is not a physical kingdom. We have to remember that. The, the kingdom of darkness is not a physical kingdom. It is a spiritual kingdom. So it influences from the realm of the spirit. Now, every activity or all activities taking place in your space, at work, at home, at church, all of those activities that are working against you are not just happening on their own. There is an operation behind all of that, influencing the activities to get you to uh, go in a certain direction. So you now have to uh, be very, very careful and don't play into those activities. You might not see the operation that is taking place behind those uh, things, because especially if you're in the flesh, you'll not see the whole chemistry and operation behind what manifests itself before you. But be assured, 
that things don't just happen. There is a kingdom of darkness that is influencing operations. It, as I said, it influences activities, things like accidents, disasters, crime. These, these things don't just happen. Of course, it also influences uh, people, the behavior of people. So people's behavior against you, especially when they're unkind, it is not just happening out of nothing. There is a troublemaker behind the scene influencing that kind of behavior. So if you're not careful, you start fighting with the behavior other than the influence behind the behavior. This is why and sometimes you need to speak to some of those things in the name of Jesus and say, listen, I'm not putting up with that today. You don't have to respond to anger with anger because that means the devil would have gotten you right where he wants you, in the flesh. So the mission of the kingdom of darkness is to influence every activity on earth. And the kingdom of darkness actually stole that mission or of a fake version of that that the devil got from god when he was working with god because the mandate of the kingdom on earth kingdom of god on earth is to influence the operation on earth and we see that several places in the scripture the bible talks about uh, jesus taught his disciples to pray he says Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Isaiah tells us, oh, God's intention was for the earth to be filled with the glory of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters covers the seas. The kingdom of God was designed to influence operations, operation in the, in the earth realm. The devil, Lucifer, once worked for God. So he, he knows that. So now he's trying to copy and to set up his kingdom to try and influence earth realm because the legal agents on earth are human beings. So if he can't influence human beings, then he can't extend his kingdom. He knows that from working with God. So he has set up his system to influence mankind influence operations on earth as a sort of a copy of the kingdom of god so that is why the bible comes to us and and, and the word of god exhorts us it says walk in the spirit so that you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh anytime we start walking in the flesh operating in the flesh then we're asking for major problem. We're setting up ourselves for defeat right there. It's interesting that in Genesis chapter six, when God saw the degree to which evil, the kingdom of darkness was influencing the earth, he had to act. He sent the flood. The same thing with Sodom and Gomorrah. When God saw the extent to which evil was influencing that space God acted so now you understand that although there might be things happening around us 
that are not right, righteousness still exalts a nation. And anywhere that you have uh, no influence of righteousness and just the kingdom of darkness having its way, it's a setup for trouble because God never designed it to happen that way and God is going to act with judgment. So the big, big, big responsibility that we have as believers, as kingdom citizens, is not to be influenced by the principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, of the kingdom of darkness. That's a big responsibility that we have. While we're here in the earth realm, not to allow our behavior, our actions, our lives to be influenced by the kingdom of darkness. Because that way we set ourselves not to be able to overcome the kingdom of darkness. The scripture exhorts us many, many places to walk in the spirit, to live by the spirit, to be led by the spirit so that we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh, that we will not be agents for the kingdom of darkness, carrying out the assignments of the kingdom of darkness. So my brothers and sisters, it is very important that we make sure we do the legwork to walk in the spirit so that we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The only way not to fulfill the lust of the flesh is to walk in the spirit. You can't fight the flesh from the realm of the flesh. You have to fight and overcome from the realm of the spirit, from the higher power. You see, when you are influenced by the centrum, influenced by the kingdom of darkness, then you cannot detect any danger that is coming towards you. And if you can't detect it, you can't do anything about it. So God wants us to walk in the spirit so we can detect the danger and have the wherewithal to do something against it. So remember now, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. It, don't, it didn't say we don't wrestle. It just said we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. But we wrestle against principalities, against demonic activities, against powers. Those are different ranks. Against the rulers of the darkness of this world. I believe that one of the reasons why people resort to wrestling in the flesh is that when they have not been consistent in the things of God and they're cultured in the things of the flesh, it is a more comfortable zone for them. But we have to practice walking in the spirit to ensure that that is the zone that we are more acclimatized to and can't fit in any other zone. God is dependent on us. Believers are so caught up in wrestling against flesh and blood, that they are unaware of the spirits that are at work in their own space. So it is important that if spirits for one reason or another or through different routes enter into your space, your home, and all that kind of stuff that you're able to detect those and fight against them. Because don't believe that they're gonna come into your 
home, in your space, to just check out what your furniture look like, looks like. The thief comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. Jesus said, I'm come, that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Review the different parts of the arm of God so that we are very clear on that. It starts with the loins girded about with truth. So in Ephesians chapter six, it says, put on the whole armor of God that he may be able to withstand the, the, the evil day. And it goes on to name the armor and says, the first one is having your loins girded about with truth. That's very, very important. You know, your loins actually hold your upper and lower body together. Your loins connect your upper and uh, lower body. And in Bible days, they used to wear what is called a girdle around the loin that would hold the arm that the fighters would carry. And so the, the loins girded about with truth represents the, 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 the area of your life that anchors all the other arm, all the rest of the other arm. So having your loins girded with truth is about having a solid foundation in the word of God, having the truth of God working in your life. Because when you have the truth of God, when you proceed on the truth of God in your life, then, you know, from there, you can declare the word of God. You can um, uh, pray the word of God. You can memorize the word of God. You can apply the word of God to different situations. But if you don't have that truth of the word inside of you, then you're not going to be able to apply. So having your loins gird about with, with truth is about having an understanding of the truth of the word of God and uh, applying it living by the word of God. The Bible says you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. In, in St. John, the Bible says, if you continue in my word, in John 13, verse 34, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. What make your disciple indeed? By continuing in the word. It goes on to say, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free, shall set you free. So you continue to practice the word, to study the word, to practice the word, and it is going to reveal truth, and you walk in that truth, and then you will get further truth. You walk in that truth, and the cycle continues. That's the belt of truth. So it's not an overnight fix, but it is important that we continue to walk in the word so we can gird ourselves with the belt of truth or have our loins girded about with truth. The next one is the breastplate of righteousness. And of course, the breastplate speaks to the chest area. The breastplate of righteousness is about walking in righteousness. Righteousness 
is right standing with God. It's the ability to stand in the presence of God without guilt or shame. Righteousness gives you confidence to go into the throne room. Righteousness gives you confidence to go up against the wiles of the devil. You know, if you're not walking in righteousness, then uh, you don't walk with that confidence to take on certain things. You're more in the mode of begging God. Proverbs 14.34 mentioned it earlier. It says, righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any man. Remember how God shared with Abraham that he was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham negotiated with God on the premise of righteousness for Sodom and Gomorrah and stopped God's attention. He said, God, if you, if you find 50 righteous people in Sodom and Gomorrah, would you destroy it? And God said, no, 50 righteous people, I wouldn't destroy. Because that means the influence of the kingdom of God would still have a certain degree of effect there. Well, what about 40? I won't destroy it for 40. Abraham came down to 10. But the point I'm making is that Abraham's negotiation with God there was on the premise, on the term of righteousness. When you walk in righteousness, you attract God's attention. You don't have to beg. You don't have to lift and you don't have to go in 40 days fast. If you walk in righteousness, you attract God's favor. So David said, I've never, never seen the righteous forsaken. Not the Christian. Man said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Or his seed begging bread. So righteousness is not just about you, but the generations following. You see, the Bible said, the sins of the father visit the children to the third and fourth generation. But the righteousness of the father is even more powerful, goes down through the gen generation. And God says, if you walk in righteousness, your seed won't beg bread. But that's a principle. That's, David said that, but that's, that's a principle he saw in operation. So when you walk in righteousness, it is difficult for the, the, the devil to talk. So I want to encourage you to make every every effort to walk in righteousness and please righteousness but please understand also that a slip up a mistake doesn't necessarily mean that you're walking in sin god has made provision on that he said if you confess your sins i'm faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness so if you make a mistake and get the righteousness dirty you can get it fixed immediately the problem is when you step out of the order of righteousness and don't do anything about it, and you allow a day to pass and do something else and don't do anything about it, you start putting another order in your life, the order of sin. So if you now start practicing the order of sin, that is what is going to take hold of your, of your life and influence your operation. So we encourage you to put on the breastplate of righteousness. Let's make a commitment to do what is right before God. Your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And that speaks to just being ready 
to share the good news of the kingdom, kingdom that brings peace. And sometimes we're religiously, you know, people think the preachers need to go out and share about the kingdom and all of that. And of course, there's a place for that. But in your space, you have that responsibility to put on the, to have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Just think about it. When last have you just taken some time out to share the good news of the gospel with someone, somebody that is not born again, with the intention of winning them to the Lord, even if you never want it. But when last have you been intentional about sharing the good news of the gospel with someone? Not even that they bump into you, you saw them at church and after church, you know, you went over and shared with them. When last have you taken time out? You were probably praying over it over the weekend or thinking about it overnight, praying for an opportunity to share the gospel. And you intentionally went for someone who did not know Jesus and shared with the kind of intention of winning them to the Lord. Where is your passion as it relates to sharing the good news of the gospel? You know, sometimes we, we just stop our attention on the people who are already saved. Those are the ones who want to preach. To. But we need to burn with the passion for the lost. And that, how, how prepared are you to sow into missions to help to bring the gospel, the good news of salvation to someone? This is the armor that God says we're to put on if we are going to fight against the principalities and powers and overcome them. Yeah, these are the things. It says, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. So walking in, in faith is very important, very, very important to overcoming the enemy because there are things that you're going to have to speak that are not yet manifested. They're not yet reality in the space, but you have to call those things into being which be not as though they were. And again, let me say there are different categories of faith. Some categories operate as the spirit will, like the gift of faith. But there's what we call the general faith that Mark 11 talks about. And so the shield of faith means that you walk by faith and not by sight. We, we, we see it as such a burden sometimes to walk by faith. We want everything to be so set before us that we can see it, how it's going to work, how it's going to happen, and we don't even have to do any work. But the shield of faith is something that should be consistent in our lives. It's something that we have to keep active in our life. So I'm suggesting that you exercise your faith daily. Find faith projects so that your faith can be exercised. We have a lot of projects. If, if you don't have anything to use your faith on, you can check in with us. We have a lot of projects who can put your faith to work, but we must live by faith. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. 
The scripture also says that whatever is not of faith is sin. It says walk by faith and not by sight. We are exhorted right across the scripture to live by faith. In fact, that scripture that the just shall live by faith is found right across the Bible, Old and New Testament. But from Genesis 1, we see faith in action right through the New Testament. And sometimes we only link faith to the spectacular that everybody can see on screen and in the public eye. But there's some simple things that you can exercise your faith on and rejoice. Tell your friends about how God brought you through or we made a way. In other words, let us not just concede. Let us not concede anything to the devil. It doesn't matter how it's looking. Refuse to concede anything to the kingdom of God because you walk by faith and not by sight. It goes on in verse 18 to say, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So it is important that we realize that aspect of prayer is in there as a part of the whole harm, all right? Maybe because you are not aware that the prayer aspect is in there, you thought it wasn't a part of the package. But the Bible says, we walk by faith, not by sight. And it also talks about this aspect of prayer that is absolutely important. And this is why I've, I made the point last time, and I, I will continue to say again, that it was never designed that one set of people do the prayer on all of us behalf. Now, if we're in a united setting where somebody praying, we say amen, fine. But I'm, what I'm saying, every one of us ought to pray. And the Bible says men must pray and not faint. So the responsibility, the duty of prayer is for all of us as kingdom citizens. Oh, yes, I am not against a group of people meeting at church or meeting at somewhere praying and whatever. I'm not against that. Don't misunderstand me. I am saying there should not be a case where any one of us as believers sit down and not be active in prayer because the intercessory group is taking it on. We have a responsibility to continue in prayer. We see in Acts where the Bible says, as they got together, all of them, they, 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 they were praying and the place was shaken. We see the effect of prayer as the saints of God got together and prayed and stood in the gap and believed God for supernatural things. So I'm saying as a part of you putting the whole armor of God on, you should not forget the aspect of prayer. And the Bible says, as we put on the whole armor of God, we will be able to stand against the wiles, the trickery, the cunning devices of the enemy. So, you know, being baptized is one, but we cannot just settle with getting baptized and being in a word church or around believers that are strong in the Lord. We have to grow, each of us individually, in the things of God and 
be able to stand when the hour of temptation, test, and trial comes. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Scripture tells us that since the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom of heaven suffers violent and the violent take it by force. No negotiation with the enemy. It's time for us to advance and to take by force that which God intended for us. Remember the story with Jericho, how Joshua and the Israelites marched around Jericho. And when they shouted according to the instruction of the Lord, I believe in that moment, I mean, it just dispelled every representative of the kingdom of darkness out of the space. They did not know what hit them. And of course, any foundation that is laid that is not of God is going to go. And as the people shouted, the walls of Jericho fell flat. That was warfare. In Numbers, the Lord gave the Israelites instruction, said, when you go into Canaan land, you must dispossess the inhabitants of the land. Because if you don't, there will be pricks in your eyes and thorn in your flesh. It is dangerous to try and share space with the kingdom of darkness. I don't care how pleasant it looks, how, how the package looks on the surface. Never enter into any arrangement with the kingdom of darkness on any level. Never covenant with the kingdom of darkness. Because if you do, it's going to be pricked in your eyes and thorn in your side. I know sometimes the devil would want to bring some fake compassion on you and you feel like, you know, you have to solve certain things that are not assigned to you. And by doing that, you partner with the kingdom of darkness. Oh, know the boundaries and ensure that at no time you partner or get into covenant with the kingdom of darkness because that could be very detrimental to your life, to the purposes of God for your life. We're in this together. We are fighting together. We intend to win together. We're overcoming together. So I want to remind you that those that are with us are more than those that are against us. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise up against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. Not just religiously, emotionally charged with the anointing, but walk in the ways of the Lord, dwelling in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in the times of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth be removed, though the mountains be carried away in the midst of the flood. There is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High God. God is in the midst of her. 
she shall not be moved. God shall help her on that right herd. The heathen raged, the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice, the earth melted. Come behold the works of the Lord, what desolations he hath made in here. He maketh wars to cease, he breaketh the bow, he cutteth the spear in sunder. Said, be still and know that I am God. What a word, be still and know that I am God. Don't allow the enemy to distract you. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The Lord of heaven's host is with us. Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob, he is our refuge. We thank you so much for joining us today. God bless you and have a great day. You may contact us by email at fcfmontegobay at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram at fcfmobay and on Facebook at fcfmontegobay.com.